This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning. Welcome in to you. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White, here today with Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio show about consumer tech and your very own personal IT department all wrapped up into one convenient package. Jeremy can help you fix it. Wilts can help you keep it safe. And they can do both well. So you're in good hands either way. I want to hear from you this morning. Got any tech problems, issues, or questions? Or do you have a story or experience to share? Last couple of weeks, last few episodes of the show, it's been more topic-driven. And that's cool. It's cool to be able to talk about the things that are driving technology these days. There sure are some big stories that are moving the technology world currently. But Everyday Tech is all about the folks in Mississippi who are having issues with the tech that's in their hand or in their house or in their car or wherever it may be right now. And uh, you're having some trouble and would like to have a way out of that issue. So you can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Jeremy, good morning. What's going on? How have things been the last week or so? Uh-oh. we got a bunch of audio coming from a bunch of different places right there. Well, in the meantime, while we work on that, I could tell you a little bit about what's going on. Hey, did you hear Elon Musk bought Twitter? That's a thing. Well, uh, he bought it last week, and that's what we talked about most of the show last week, but uh, he is continuing to change and make the rules, or make up new rules, kind of almost seemingly as he's going. And I guess maybe what is eye-opening about this to a lot of people is that Elon Musk isn't releasing new rules in batches and not doing it through releases from the company, but rather kind of looks like he's blurting them out from wherever he's sitting with his cell phone in his hand, tweet by tweet. And uh, I don't know. So now, uh, you know, you got the $8 checkmark thing we were talking about last week. Uh, for for $8 a month, you can be verified on Twitter. And now we've got more check marks one week later. Twitter begins to roll out gray check marks for high-profile accounts. So basically... Uh, you can pay to have a blue check mark, but there are going to be gray check marks that are abo- above your blue check mark that are really what the blue check marks used to be. You're still following along. And um, so now you're paying for not really verification. You're just basically, <laughs> at this point, that blue check mark is just an asterisk that says you're a subscriber. A day after announcing that uh, it denote high-profile accounts in a way distinctive from the blue check mark, as I just mentioned, Twitter's begun to roll out new badges that identify particular categories of official accounts, including government accounts, major media outlets, and some public figures. It's a move in an attempt to safeguard against information spreading and impersonation on the platform, <laughs> more on that later, as Twitter grapples with the fallout of expanding eligibility for its blue check mark, which was previously reserved for vetted ID verified users. The new badges, a gray check mark beneath the old blue verification check mark, designate accounts as quote unquote official in line with what app researcher uh, Nima Algi revealed less than a week ago in Twitter's code. 
Uh, congratulations to Nima for keeping his job through this. Accounts including TechCrunches, which is the site I'm reading this story on, and several government officials among them. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Democratic Senators uh, Amy uh, Amy Klobuchar. I can't say her name right. Or Klobuchar. Klobuchar, thank you. And... Um, I, all, all I saw was Knobloch, who used to be a second baseman for the Minnesota Twins, and that's all I can think of. So, And then Mitt Romney, who's a, a Republican senator in Utah, are amongst uh, the ones showing the gray check marks early on. Uh, but from a cursory search, there doesn't appear to be much rhyme or reason to how the new badges are being applied. For example, the Wall Street Journal's account initially did not have a badge. Um, nor does Twitter CEO Elon Musk. And with the way he's been operating on his turf now, uh, man, you think his gray check mark would have come first? Don't be impersonating a gray check mark now. So, anyway, so uh, we have that to go on. How about this? Uh, in the streaming wars, we haven't talked about that much lately. Peacock is adding live TV from all local NBC stations to its Premier Plus tier. Now, that's something that reaches all the way down into rural Mississippi or wherever it is. You may be listening or uh, uh, wherever you live and listen to the show. Peacock announced that on November 30th, its Premium Plus subscribers will get 24-7 access to their local NBC stations in all of NBC's 210 television markets, including live TV programming like local news, sports, weather, and entertainment. Uh, This is a great deal, I think. It it adds a ton of value to Peacock, and um, it's another way for folks to be able to keep up with local information uh, without necessarily having to subscribe to a traditional linear television platform. Uh, Subscribers will soon be able to do live stream popular programs like Today Show, uh, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Saturday Night Live without paying for a whole cable package, as I just mentioned. As part of yesterday's soft launch, some uh, premium plus subscribers already gained access to their NBC local affiliate channel live stream. Uh, with Peacock's local affiliate live streams, our subscribers are getting the unique combination of the ad-free, on-demand content they love with the local news and NBC programming that's already part of their daily life. That's according to Kelly Campbell, who's president of uh, Peacock and direct customer with NBC Universal. NBC's local affiliate stations join brands and channels like NFL, uh, Golf Channel, the Premier League, NBC News, uh, Sky News, Today, Hallmark, uh, WWE and others. Peacock is likely including more live TV options to compete with rival Paramount Plus, which has always included local programming on its platform. Paramount Plus, with its 46 million subscribers, brings live TV to 99% of the United States, according to the company on its website. Uh, after experiencing a slowdown in subscriber growth, it's also possible that Peacock is urging more of its subscribers to upgrade to the Premium Plus level. Peacock recently revealed that its total paid subscriber base jumped from 13 million paid subscribers to over 15 million in the third quarter. And while it's unlikely that many Peacock subscribers of its free ad-supported plan will switch over to that $10 a month premium plus tier, it's possible subscribers paying $5 a month for the premium plan will want to switch over to get 24-7 access to their local NBC station. And if you just look at it like that, $5 a month to get my local station, um, that's, that seems, uh, certainly valuable. Um, so yeah, that's, um, Peacock adding live TV from all local NBC stations, uh, and all or most of their 210 TV markets. Uh, we're having some technical issues. Hopefully we'll have the boys on the line. We'll get to the calls, including Brand, uh, Alan and Brandon. 
uh, wants to ask a question about a keyboard, we'll do that. I would take your call, Alan, but you don't want me to answer your question about keyboard because it'd be like, uh, go buy a new one. That's probably my best option for you, but there's probably better options than that. Plenty to get into, still to talk about with the Twitter stuff. We want to get your opinions on that. Last week, we talked a whole bunch about what does this mean for the future of Twitter. Twitter has always been my social platform of choice, but a lot of people are dropping out on it now, which I find kind of disappointing, to be honest. But a week into the Elon Musk plan for Twitter, how's it working for you? This is Everyday Tech. I'm Jay White, and I'm joined now, thank goodness, by Mr. Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor. Jeremy, good morning. How's it going? Yo, yo, yo. Uh, it's going pretty good, man. It is wonderful you to hear, hear, your, me, hear right? your voice. Yes, it is wonderful to hear your voice because people are lining up with questions about their tech, and I am not the guy to answer those. So thank goodness. I was going to have to. It's, it's happened before where we had a technical issue or, or uh, you know, both you and Wilts couldn't be there for a show because of, you know, life getting in the way and stuff like that. And so it's me talking to the people for an hour. Huh. Boy, yeah. Have you unplugged it yet? Well, this time when you unplug it, count to 10 and then replug it in and see, replug it. You like that? Those are good terms. Anyway, so how are things been going at the shop for you the last week or so, Jeremy? I'm going to have to go back and listen to that episode. (laughs) Um, Things have been good, man. I've been been staying busy. Um, I've had one of those projects on my bench where, like, everything I've tried to do to fix it and every part that I've ordered so far just hasn't fixed it. And I have a term for these things because eventually they just like, they just take up so much of my time. I have to come up with some term of endearment for them. So they're bench burners because they just sit there oh, and burn yeah. up bench time. Ooh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. So um, I had a bench burner that I've been sitting here contending with, and I'm about to just throw in the towel and, and be done with it. Um, sometimes you got to know when to quit. You know, and uh, after you've replaced darn near everything inside the machine and it's still having issues, that's about round quitting time. <laughs> well, nobody's winning percentage of a thousand, right? Uh, after a while, uh, sometimes, sometimes the thing just needs to be put in the ground. I guess maybe I don't know, but uh, man, the the last week or so, Elon Musk uh, continuing to flex his t- his Twitter muscles, man. I, I, <laughs> Looking to, uh, forward to hearing what you had to, to say about oh. what you think about what he's been doing the last week or so, and then we're going to head straight into these calls. Okay, so this whole this whole thing just cracks me up because last week we were talking about how the value of the check mark was basically zero. I mean, say for the fact that for Twitter the value of the check mark is eight bucks, but for everybody else it's basically zero. So now they're they're giving away the 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 check mark to the real people, uh, but you have to pay for the 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 first check mark. Yeah. So it's worth even less than before. Well, I mean, it so is now, now, it is what it is now. It's totally a status symbol thing. So I mean, it's not you know it's not verification in any kind of way. It is it is literally just a status symbol for for what. And look, I'm not trying to belittle that. That is value to a lot of people, and I'm not trying to judge anybody, so it is what it is. Obviously, a bunch of people are going to sign up for it, or he has you know, some sort of research that says a bunch of people will want to buy that. I'm sure there will be. Uh, okay. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, obviously, Elon was listening to our last show, because my, and I, you know he does. I mean, he's got to be a huge fan. No doubt. Um, 
because you know you, you can't just have yes men in your court. You gotta you gotta flip the channel sometimes. Anyways, last week my argument was over the authenticity of a message and how anybody could pay for a check mark and how they could suddenly have clout where there is no clout. Um, well, they fixed that problem. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of strange how they fixed it. Double check marking it up. But hey, it is what it is. Um, I'm less concerned about it. And at this point, I'm seriously wondering, like, are people really going to pay eight bucks just for a check mark on Twitter? We'll see. We will see indeed. And, and he's laid off half the workforce. Uh, and again, uh, I mean, we're, you know, we're in some financial ways right now with our country right now. So that's, you know, that that's not totally a unexpected thing. Um, tech is, is always going to bit gets, get hit super hard, uh, when things are uh, not going well financially for the country when we're having recession and things like that. Uh, Meta today announced 11,000 layoffs amounting 11,000, uh, uh, amounting to 13% of its workforce. So, uh, we can dig into a lot of that, uh, further along in the show. If we have some time, let's get into the phones on the line with us first, Alan and Brandon, Alan, thanks for calling what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got a question for Jeremy. Uh, I'm glad he's back. I, mean, I tried to fill out one of his computer doctor, uh, forms for you one of those contact forms. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of those, but uh, uh, I, I, that was over a week ago. I never heard back, so he, he must be swamped. But uh, I've got a couple of really old keyboards. Th- these were the ones like that came out with the original IBM PC-ATs. I mean, I'm talking about over 25 years old. Uh, they, they had PS2 connectors. Anybody remembers that form of connecting? Uh the problem is the keyboards themselves are in great shape. Uh, I mean, they made those things like tanks. All the keys are fine. They all work fine. The problem is the cables that that uh, connect the keyboard to the computer. Uh, the you know they were those old telephone style springy kind of cables, and all all the they've got exposed wires. All, all the coding and stuff is slops off and. Uh, I'm wondering is is is, is and I hate to throw those things in the trash because they're still fine. I was wondering if Jeremy would be able to like hook a USB cable up to those uh, to repair them. Uh, you know, like a USB Type A connector at the end that I could plug into a USB port on my computer where I could still use them. Uh, and, you know, that's my question. So. All right, well, now we appreciate definitely. it. Should definitely be able to adapt that to um, a newer format. Um, I'm looking to see if there are replacement cables online. I see several different ones, but I mean, there's so many different models. Um, but you should be able to find a replacement cable for it and then uh, resolder it to the uh, unit. Or some of them seem to have some kind of like a a modular plug. So all you have to do is just open the keyboard up and plug it back in, it looks like. Um, I I have some experience with those keyboards as far as, like, you know, playing with them when I was a kid. But I've never actually torn one apart, so I don't know a whole lot about replacing the internals. But I'm finding a lot of different model replacement cables. So you may just want to um, – this is uh, clickykeyboards.com. I'm going to look there and see um, if you can find – a cable for your model 
and then decide if you want to replace it from there. Um, and then you can always use an adapter, uh, PS2 to USB or however you want to do it. All right, Alan, we appreciate the call. Thanks for starting us off this morning. I'm going to go to Rick and Olive Branch here in just a second. But first, we have uh, Ron in Tupelo. Ron, thanks for calling this morning. What's going on with you? Um, actually, Ron is an alias. My actual name is Nolan Husk. I, I just recently bought a company, uh-huh. and um, I had, had to fire a bunch of people. You know, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know Nolan Husk, I fire people. And I had to hire a bunch of these people back because I didn't have anybody left that knew how to fire people. <laughs> now, I hired these people back to fire people, and I had them fire themselves. Now, my, I'm going to hang up, but my question is, can I still name my kids with weird symbols and signs? <laughs> and I, I'll hang up and let you guys answer. All right, Ron, we appreciate it. Goodness. No, that was not actually Ron. It wasn't Ron. All right, right. I don't think that's how aliases work. When, when you give your alias away immediately, I don't, I don't think that's how it works. But I get the joke, though. All right, uh, let's get right back into it. That was silly. Let's go to uh, Rick in Olive Branch. Rick, thanks um, for calling in. What's guys, going on, man? Hey, guys, I, will, I also have an AKA, and I, it's techno dummy okay so that's the reason i'm calling um listen up to about five months ago i still had an iphone 6 i ended up getting an iphone 10 from my boss did the side by side transferred from one phone to the other no problem and then i put that 10 to the side well um i got ready uh i was going to sell the 10 and have been trying to get all of my information off the 10, because I, I, I got a, I upgraded to a 13, did the side-by-side, transferred everything. But then when I went to try to clear, reset, whatever you want to call, to the 10, I can't seem to get it done. I go to settings, general, go down there to the bottom where it says reset, clear, and, and then that's where it kind of all goes south. Okay, are you connected to the Internet when you're doing this? Because if you're signed into an iCloud account, you have to remove that account from the phone before you can reset it. Well, I, it is connected to my, my my Wi-Fi at the house when I'm trying to do it. Uh-huh. All right, well, if that won't work, um, there are other options for you. I don't know exactly why your reset wouldn't work, but rather than sit here and try to figure that out, I can just explain to you a different way to go about doing it. And you said this is an iPhone 10 that you're trying to wipe the data off of, right? Correct. So I can sell it. Okay. So what you've got to do is get a computer with iTunes on it and make sure it's the current version of iTunes. So make sure it's totally up to date. And then hook your iPhone up to your computer. And if you just turn your phone off, before you plug it up, just make sure it's all the way off. Then you can hold the button on the right-hand side, the power button. As you hook it up to the computer, hold that button and keep holding it until you see a screen that says connect to iTunes. And then when you connect to iTunes, you'll be able to restore the phone. Tell it you want to restore it, and that will wipe everything off of it. Okay, go back because you kind of broke up. 
hold the button until I see what? You're going to turn the power off on your phone, and then you're going to hold the button as you're plugging it up to your computer, and you're going to continue to hold the button until you see connect to iTunes. Or you may just see an iTunes logo and an arrow. Either way, you'll see something different than just a black screen or an Apple, and then you will see a prompt on your computer that says that it's detected there's a phone in recovery mode, and you need to restore it. Okay. All right. Um, okay. And, now, and then from, now, that, when, from that, go ahead. Sorry. When you restore it, if your iCloud information is still in the phone, you are going to have to go through the initial setup process because you're going to have to either put in the old lock code or the iCloud information. Okay. And then once you do that, you can sell the phone or give it away or whatever you want to do. All right. Well, I'm driving right now, so what I'm probably going to have to do is I wouldn't recommend doing it while you're driving. (laughs) No, no, I I know I can go back uh, later on and and re-listen to this program, and that's probably what I'm going to have to do uh, in order to get it right. But I'm just glad what you really could do is just Google iPhone 10 recovery and you will find instructions for the whole process. iPhone 10 recovery. You got it. Thank you very much. Uh, and if I don't talk to you before then, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. All right, Rick. Same to you. Absolutely. And you, right. like you said, you could Google that and, and, and find instructions. Uh, and at the very least, if you... Uh, if you go to YouTube and search the same thing, you'll probably find some decent videos. Probably some not so great videos that are long and not to the point. But there'll probably be somebody that that can get a clock a good time there. iOS sixteen point two is uh, just about ready to release. That's got some features that we could talk about over the course of the show. When we come back, we'll take Bobby and Yazoo City's question about iOS sixteen. We'll talk to Alan in Oxford and Steve in Poplarville. You can email us every day, tech at mpbonline.org. We can talk about the headlines in the consumer technology world if you'd like to. Also, we can talk about what's going on in your home with technology. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. And as uh, one of our callers said last segment, if uh, you jump into this show and, and you're on the back end of an explanation that you needed, it just so happens, um, and you want to catch the beginning of that explanation, hey, Search Everyday Tech wherever you can get podcasts. I love how people start to name all the podcast places. Man, if you start naming those things, that's a never-ending bucket of things you can name. Just, hey, man, it's everywhere, except for the places it's not. And then I'm sorry. We're working on it. Just trust us, maybe. But if you search it, you'll find it. I promise. Or go to mpbonline.org. All right, let's get right back into it. Let's go to Bobby first. In Yazoo City, who's got questions about iOS 16. Bobby, thanks for calling. Good morning. I have my phone is up to date on the upgrade and everything, but why do they give you an option on uh, iOS 16 where, you know, normally they don't do it? And I scroll through it, and it's like 10 pages long. you know anything about it? Is it necessary to do it, or can I just neglect it? Are you talking about your settings page? Yeah, Thing. Is that necessary? I mean, they look that they, they give you an option to 
upgrade your phone with it or not do it. I, my phone's upgraded to iOS 15 something. It's a new one. Well, there's 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 newer than what you got. 16.1 is the latest. 16.2 should be out before the end of the year. So you, there's there's probably an update available to you, but you always take those at least initially with a little bit of rain of salt, right, Jeremy? No, I mean, if 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 they will let you, um, I, I've noticed on my Samsung things have gotten super aggressive. I've talked about this before. I can pretty much tell it like, hey, you know, do that later. I can do that three times, and then it's like, all right, well, you're getting the update. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of forced it on people. I don't know if iOS is similar, but um, you can decline that agreement, and I don't think you have to update. Um, as long as you're not having any issues with your phone, you should be fine. Um, we haven't had any crazy, like, security flaws that I know of that have come out lately that you would be vulnerable to. So if you are not comfortable with that agreement and you feel like your phone's running fine, see how long you can dodge the update. I'm curious. Does it give them uh, permission to track you? Because the way I read it, it sounded like it did, but it actually didn't say it. Well, I mean, it, I mean, if you got a cell phone, you're being tracked. Yeah. Okay. That's just a, yeah. a, a general I mean, uh, thing. I will say that Apple has taken strides to make sure that it is more difficult to track you, um, unless you're Apple. Um, they can still track you pretty easily, I think. But as far as other app developers and platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and so forth, um, they have taken a huge nosedive in the Department of Information Mining because of some changes that Apple has made on their end. And Apple does take user privacy pretty seriously. I mean, any corporation is going to tell you that publicly facing. But Apple is pretty, pretty darn serious about it. So um, as far as your information being safe in your iPhone, I'd say it's safer now than it was a couple of years back before Apple made those changes. So you should be okay. Now, let me say this. I, 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 in, in your settings, there's a way for you to set up where these updates don't automatically roll into your phone. I'm still on 15.7.1 because I, I have mindset. And a lot of, well, here's the biggest thing. A lot of times, uh, if you are not on a Wi-Fi network, the iPhone will not update your, your system while you're not on Wi-Fi. And so a lot of times when it, you know, it sets up these reminders, hey, at this time, I'm, we're going to do this. When it comes to that time, if you're not on a Wi-Fi system, it says, hey, look, we're not going to do this while you're not on Wi-Fi. You want to do this at this said time? And, I, you know, I, I think you, you play that dance with it for as long as you want to until you get tired yeah. of the reminders. But, you know, if, if it's something that you don't necessarily feel like you want to do, um, you know, it's, I don't have anything against 16, which I probably should be up to. 15.7.1 is a little bit behind at this point, but it's just something I haven't gotten to yet. So I, I appreciate not being forced into. <laughs> well, I have a little, I automatic update is cut off and y'all have been a lot more clear than apple had they you know they didn't really it took me three hours to get them on the phone so well they, apple apple would really yep they really would love you to update it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bobby man we, we appreciate it bobby thank you for calling today 
All right, thank you. Go ahead, Jeremy. What were you saying? Um, I have forgotten. I understand. All right, let's go right back into it. Hello, we got uh, Alan, who is in Oxford. Let's talk about some MacBook battery issues. Alan, what's going on? Uh, morning. Uh, I have an old MacBook Pro A1502, and I don't know a lot about this, but uh, the cursor stopped working, and um, it, it'll come on if it's uh, attached to AC current, but if I, as soon as I disconnect it, it shuts down. So I'm assuming since it's 10 or 12 years old, it's probably... According to what I've read, maybe I need a new battery. And yes, I'm trying to decide you whether need a new battery. To, and I'm, I'm and so I. It looks like about a hundred and thirty or forty dollars to get a, a, a an Apple battery. Are there aftermarket batteries that I should I could consider? Um, so uh, your first question you say that your cursor stopped working so your touchpad quit working probably what has happened is the battery has swelled up and it's not putting pressure on the opposite side of the touchpad so it won't click anymore um wow as far as your uh aftermarket question i don't even think that you can get oem batteries for Macs that are that old apple just stops selling parts for these things eventually because they want you to go buy a new computer two trillion dollar company how did they do it um as far as your question about aftermarket goes, uh, the performance of the battery would not be on par with your OEM battery, but there's really not a lot you can do about that. It will be sufficient. You probably still need to, you know, keep it charged pretty regularly. It probably won't hold near the capacity of the old one, but you will still be able to use it as a functional device. Um, and, yeah, your, your price range on that seems about dead on. So let me ask this question then. Well, then, I don't. I have a, another computer, a desk computer, uh, and I don't really use the lap book. I, I'm not somebody who likes to be attached to electronics, so yeah. I don't really need it anymore. I retired from my teaching job, and so and I like. So anyhow, my question is: if, if you're correct that the battery is, has expanded, and that's the problem, if I took the battery out and just ran it on AC current, would it work? Or does it need the battery? I don't, I don't believe your Mac is going to run without the battery in it. Okay. All right. But you, but an aftermarket battery, if I'm just going to use it on electric current anyhow, it would be fine. There's, is there any brand in particular? Um, I have had mixed experiences. So um, stuff like that comes and goes so quickly online on a site like Amazon. Uh, just read reviews and look at the uh, the number of the reviews and the, the consistency of good ones. I mean, I say if it's got 25% between the one- and two-star reviews, I probably wouldn't get it. Uh, but the main thing now is that there are so many different brand names that, you know, they recycle because they get bad reviews or whatever, so they just change their name. So you'll see a lot of manufacturers of these old MacBook batteries that only have, like, 25 reviews. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trust that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to decide whether it's really worth it. I haven't used it in such a long time. But, um, you know, quite frankly, well, it, the Adobe program on it was really 
I didn't have to pay anything extra to sign and edit things in, in the Adobe program. Right. And the modern one, and I'm not, I need to do that so rarely that yeah. you know, this was a real easy workaround to just turn that on, move something into that, and edit that way. And um, so that's, that's really pretty much my motivation. But all right, I appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Have a good day. All right, Alan, we appreciate the call today from Oxford. All right, let's stay right back at it. Let's go from Oxford down to Poplarville and talk to Steve. Steve, good morning. What's going on? Hey, good morning, guys. Enjoying the show this morning. Um, and I'm driving. I hope that you can hear my audio. Okay Absolutely. Here. Yep. we got a got an older HP in the family, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm kind of tech savvy. I know enough about IT to get myself in trouble sometimes. But we got a uh, we got a... It's like, as best we can tell, a laptop, it's an HP, well, kind of a fuller size, like 15 inch, um, not 17. It's in um, about eight years old, as best we can tell. It's gone through a couple of students in the family. So we'd like to repurpose it into one of, you know, like something one of the grandmothers can use to surf, just browse, and use for talking to the grandkids. Problem is, it's um, nobody has the source disks. It's, it'll boot, and I got a universal power adapter for it, so it boots to Windows. Nobody remembers the pass, screen password, of course. Tried a couple mm. of permutations. I've tried a couple of ways to get it to a, at least a safe mode and Windows safe mode, mm-hmm. no dice, uh, you know, hitting the various F8s and F9s repeatedly. What, uh, what operating system is it running? Is it Windows 8? We think 7, uh, best as they can tell. Seven. It was somewhere in the okay. somewhere in the seven seven universe. Uh, I can get it to a BIOS so, screen. Yeah, boot BIOS. You can, that's about it. If you have a USB disc, you can go online and you can search for the media creation tool, and you can create a boot disc for Windows 10. If it's running oh. Windows 7, or or possibly if it has 8 on it or whatever. Um, you can go and create a boot disk, and then you can install Windows 10 on it, and then you should be able to use that Windows 7 key on it to activate Windows 10. Okay, and then there's a like is there a licensing? So let me back up. What's that called again? The um, the the boot program I'm looking for. Uh, it's called the Media Creation Tool. It comes directly from Microsoft. Media Creation Tool. Okay. And then yep. one you need at least an eight gigabyte step. USB drive. Right, no problem. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I can do that because I can get to the boot mode and the BIOS, the media creation drive, and yeah. then media one media creation tool. Seven. If you tools, tool, if you okay. don't need any of the data, then I would recommend just doing a clean Windows install. If you do yep. need the data, then do not format the disk when you go through this. Just simply say that you want to uh, reinstall Windows, and what the installation program will do is create a Windows.old folder, and anything that you had on any of the users will be in that Windows.old folder in the old users folder. No, well, you know, the, the laptop itself passed through a couple of my nephews in college. I don't think I want to know what's on there, so yeah, I think we'll we'll wipe. Okay, yeah. So just format it completely. Yeah and reinstall Windows on it. Now, when you get Windows installed, um, you still need to seek out the drivers for the device. And since Mm -hmm. it's an older Windows 7 device, Windows might do you a favor and just go fetch the devices. Um, Sometimes 
an older machine running Windows 7 go into Windows 10, the screen resolution might look a little weird, but since this is for an older person anyways, that might actually work out to your benefit uh, because things will be larger than the native resolution for Windows 10. Uh, so if you run into that issue, you just need to find your model number and go to the manufacturer's website and see if they have drivers available for Windows 10. That's excellent, man. That's that's perfect advice. Um, one more last question. When it gets to, if I get 10 up and it's all go from there, is there, a, you know, is there then, do I need to have a credit card ready to license 10? Like, uh, do I have to pay a user no. license for 10? No, okay. absolutely not. You can take the Windows 7 key, if you, and this is for anybody. You have a Windows 7 key on an old laptop or a desktop, whether it's home or professional or whatever, if that's the version of Windows that you have installed, you can use that key to activate Windows 10. Okay. That's a, that, and the key is the key is kind of, and I don't have any of the paperwork, just key would be native. Like you're saying, assuming that there's a, a legitimate Windows 7 installed on the computer already, it'll it'll ramp up. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. If, there is a, if Windows 7 was installed on this computer, they were still putting certificates like, like serials on the actual computer. You should be able to look on the bottom or under the battery possibly, in the oh. battery on the kernel, and there will be a key. And you can use that key on that certificate to activate Windows 10. And when you do, it will tell you that you're activated with a digital license. Then you can set up a dreaded Microsoft account, and you can link that license to your Microsoft account. So if you ever have to reinstall it, all you have to do is log back into your Microsoft account, and your key will download back to the computer. Hey, this is excellent, man. That's a really excellent advice. Uh, second question, a little more involved. Why the heck did uh, Apple discontinue the Mini because the i13 uh, Mini was the greatest phone ever? Um, anyway, I'm sorry. Separate question. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Steve. We appreciate it. I'm going to say that as far as the Mini goes, uh, it probably just didn't sell well enough because they've been doing the Mini for a while. I mean, they had the SE, which I guess would be around the same size as the Mini. Um and it, they, they, they discontinued that size. So I think it just probably didn't sell too well over the last three models. Yeah. I think people, they want, they want to go for the biggest, baddest thing possible, right? And I, I, I think it's just uh, it's a byproduct of our I'm society, starting, I think, I guess. I don't know. I'm starting to go the other way, Jay. I think I want a smaller phone, man. I'm tired of these big ones. Interesting. You know, I've been I've been an iPhone for over a year now. I'm starting to get an Android itch again. I was just talking to Liz Gill about that right before the show. Java looks at me in disgust and disappointment. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. With Jeremy Thompson, I'm Jay White. You can email us everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Uh, here's a little bit of a, a warning or just a heads up. Uh, the boss here, or Jason, our radio boss, got a call to his cell phone, Jeremy, from what was listed as St. Dominic Jackson. Now, St. Dominic is uh, a, a hospital that's been in the Jackson area for years and years and years and years and years. And uh, a lot of people in this area certainly know about it. It's a high-profile location uh, right on uh, Interstate 55 and Lakeland Drive. But uh, boss... Uh, got a little freaked out because the hospital was calling his phone and he answers it and it's a solicitor. It's not the hospital. Jeremy, what is going on? Not only are people, not only are these people just digging up every phone number they can get off of Google Voice or whatever, but now 
now not only are they spoofing numbers, but they're spoofing or they're getting numbers and prefixes that somehow or another are spoofing what they are to people who are answering the phone. Now, you could see it's it's in all caps. The saint is not abbreviated. Uh, I, I don't think St. Dominic, if they called it, would be all caps like that. It would probably say something different. Uh, but, man, that's a hospital. I mean, people like call solicitors are impersonating hospitals now. And I don't know that I should be surprised by that at all. And I, I don't guess I am necessarily. But that's just one of those things where it's like, wow. At what point have you made your point? Well, um, I can say not St. Dominic's necessarily, but I have had what appear to be, quote, verified numbers call me, and I don't answer them because I'm just, I mean, you know, if somebody wants to get in touch with me and it's, like, really important, they'll send me a letter in the mail (laughs) Yeah, it's really important, you know, if it's super official. So as far as any of these calls go, I just don't answer them. Um, Now, I know that's not a good option for everybody because you've got kids, you've got family, you've got all kinds of different variables out there that might force you to answer the phone. There's not a great solution. And the problem is because we're still adapting to um, a really old system that was easily abused and easily spoofed. And at the core of our technology, that system still functions. So there's no great way to fix this. We're looking for phone 2.0 out there because the system is fundamentally broken. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, As far as spoofing goes, there are apps that can do it. There are lots of different methods that you can go through to, uh, create fake numbers, or um, you can register a local number and then, like this, you know, put S-A-I-N-T Dominic instead of S-T, and now you're not uh, impersonating that company, per se. So there's always some loophole or some wiggle room, and there's just there's so many of these bad actors out there or, you know, pieces of software or whatever happened to be actually engineering this thing there's it's so prominent it's very difficult to just stamp this problem out i hate that the solution is don't answer your phone but that's that's kind of just what i'm doing these days unless it's family or business i'm probably not going to answer your call yeah i don't know that i so much made a decision at any one point that i'm not going to answer numbers that i don't recognize or don't come up as anything on my phone but i'm i'm at that point you go with your gut yeah i mean a long time ago i was like look there's so many people there's so many people who are just soliciting uh, random phone numbers out there that if i don't know what your number is but what the, the thing is about this is that Sometimes you see, you know, just random sets of numbers and you know the place you live and you're like, well, that's an unfamiliar prefix. I don't think I'm going to take a chance on that. But what was weird about this is the prefix is is familiar. It's it's Mm -hmm. similar to the ones that that hospital actually has. I guess maybe I'm surprised they didn't call it St. Dominic's possessive. That's one of those things, you know, people put S's on things that don't need it, like the Kroger's. Or whatever. No, no, ma'am. That's just Kroger's one. Uh, I'm surprised. St. Dominic Hospital gets called St. Dominic's. 
it's been that way my entire life living here in town. Java just burst into laughter. I think I just broke the news on him that it's not possessive or plural. It's just one. It's just the one Saint Dominic. I called it Saint Dominic's. Right, right. Maybe it was possessive at the time. Yeah. If it was possessive, I'm, I'm clear. <laughs> right. All right. Hey, we're going to put this link on our uh, show feed for this episode and our podcast. But the thing I have for you as, as we're going, you know, last week we talked about a guy who bought a, uh, a server, a, a cash server from Netflix dated in 2013 with 256 terabytes of space on it. Well, this week, lost treasures go like this. A Redditor discovered a legendary 1956 computer in his grandparents' uh, basement, the LG P30. Subject of hacker lore, one of only 45 made in Europe back in the 1950s. It looks like one of those uh, deep freezers that your grandma has out in the storage room. That's how big it is. It looks like it, too. Probably uses that much power. Our coffin. Our coffin. That's going to do it for us on Think Radio. Thanks for listening. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.